Okay. Welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I decided I'm going to call these the uh, Frasconi File Editions. That's about to say. <laughs> the Frasconi Files. Double Bozo here. Du- I don't know. Du- double Bozo. Um, and David, you probably don't know this, but uh, I've been promoting that we're gonna, we were going to be doing this for the last few weeks. So um, uh, I want to welcome David Frasconi, my friend and uh, bandmate and, uh, and all-around mm, intellectual wise guy, I guess is <laughs> you know, my, my family would say smartass. Smartass. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll go. I'll go with that. I'll go with that too, because that's what I, that's what I am most of the time. Um, and uh, the these these episodes are a little bit different than some of my normal bozo uh, uh, episodes. Whereas um, we may get in and talk about all kinds of things, whether it be politics and social media and and who knows what. I, I, I'm. There, there's so much going on in the world right now that uh, I don't really want to edit what we're going to be talking about today or even, you know, try to censor it, per se. Um, but we, you and I kind of t- threw some, some ideas around to begin with. But the, the one that we were talking about before we, we started today was this idea of um, uh, politics and social media and what happens quite often um, either with family or friends um, on social media, and, and probably I'm going to say, at least in my experience, Facebook probably is where some of the the biggest problems happen. Um, but I, that's only because I'm kind of narrow in my social media stance. Well, I was going to say that Facebook is a social media that's appropriate for our age. You know, it's the one we're on. So, you know, if you were going to start talking about the the divisive nature of Snapchat, I'd have to tell you that I don't understand that. And I go get my daughter and maybe she can help you out. Yeah. 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 And and my kid. And, and, uh, I, I'm not a big Instagram person, but, uh, everyone in my family uses it, including Kristen is very active on it as well, but it's, I haven't really done much with that though. I will say I do use LinkedIn uh, a bit. Uh, you know, for me, LinkedIn's business. Mm-hmm. Facebook is, uh, well, for me, it was pleasure and, and humor. I like sharing as rude a thing as I can share. And, and occasionally, I right after sharing something, I'll get the text from my wife that says, take it down now. But uh, and, and that's been my, my, my role in Facebook. I think I've been on it about 10 years. So very, very near when it opened, you know, I started doing that. But. Are you, you telling me that Tammy's your filter? <laughs> it's true. Well, no, she's not my filter. She's way more restrictive than my filter. Oh, oh, you're right. <laughs> she, she's the one that 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 uh, calls me out when maybe something wasn't right for mixed company. Right. Okay. As, as my father used to yeah, say. Your father. So, what are, what are your thoughts and, and experiences with the, the political issues on on Facebook? And you and I have talked a little bit about this previously. Um, how that has you know affects the certain. I guess, even family relations at at times. So, yeah, I have a schism in my family, and it's a Trump thing, but this isn't really about Trump or politics. It's, Mm -hmm. I mean... Actually, the the schism in my family isn't either. The the nail in the the coffin, you know, the last thing that did it was... uh, me sharing, I wasn't even playing politics at that particular mm-hmm. moment. I mean, I had been very vocally negative against Trump, and he was a Trumpster. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was definitely involved in causing tension. But to me, this one was a little separate. 
uh, my dead grandmother decided to vote against net neutrality. <laughs> and that bothered me very much that, you know, not, not really that it was my grandmother, but that she wasn't living. And it was a, a huge example <laughs> of, you know, people hacking the system. I mean, and, and this was a very concrete example to me that I shared to, and I tagged all the members of my near family and said, look, our dead grandmother voted, you know, against I, net, against uh, net neutrality. Right. Yeah. And, and this isn't, I, I don't know. Or which signed p- a petition somewhere or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah. FCC petition. Okay. Right. And, and with our home address, I mean, there's no question. This is my dead grandmother putting these comments, except that it wasn't actually her. You know, there's no question. This was fraud. And I didn't it realize. It wasn't coming from the grave is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, and I don't know which party was for or against net neutrality. I don't care. But obviously someone is hacking and, and changing votes for some kind of reason. And that was the thing that broke apart my family a bit. But that's not really important. What we were discussing was, was my problem, which is how to bring this back together. Mm. Now, Paul's taught me so much about, you know, um, confirmation bias, and and it, it makes complete sense to me, and I certainly see it, and I, I see it in my own actions, too. I mean, um, and Facebook is a great example of that. The things you like, you see more of, yeah. so it, it does tend to be a bit of an echo chamber. Well, sure, and, and I will admit that there, though I think about it differently now, there are times that I have unfriended someone um, because of their biases don't necessarily line up with mine enough, or I just don't want to listen to it. So, um, and and that's I'm not saying that's a, a healthy or positive thing necessarily um, for for me, but I do I am aware that if if something kind of comes up and, and hits me, and I go I don't want to read this anymore, <laughs> then you know I'll just unfriend that person if if their focus is to talk about that a lot. I've recently refollowed some people I had, you know, mm-hmm. defriended or unfollowed, and I'm getting that stuff on my my feed again. And <laughs> I have my own little personal dilemma about what to do with that because I want them to have their voice and I want to know what they're thinking because I want them to listen to me. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I mean anybody who doesn't agree with me. Sure, but at the same time, constantly seeing stuff that. I believe his lies are untrue mm-hmm. and, and not having the energy to comment on it and, or want to see it, mm-hmm. it. It's annoying sometimes. Yeah. But, but with the, the, the schism I'm, I'm following, you know, with my, with my brother over, like I said, a million things and with the existence of confirmation bias, well, that makes it hard. It makes it harder for him to hear me. But I also uh, read something about a year ago and it, this was a, a a nice, uh, and this is from a medical journal or psychological journal of some kind. It was a study, and it was scientifically correct. I don't know, double blind or whatever. However, they did their study, but what they discovered was when you believe something, something is true. It doesn't matter what. Um, I was going to go absurd with flat Earth, but I don't want to offend anybody who actually is a flat Earth or even. But but um, oh, let, let, we'll talk about the that sky too. is purple. So you know, someone says the sky is purple. You know it's not, but if they truly believe it. Even when you show them evidence to the contrary, they'll discount that evidence. Sure, sure. And, and it's a it, and this is a human behavior. This is not only stupid people do this. Or, no, you know, no. It's and, uh, some of the most intelligent people I know. I mean, well, first of all, everyone has bias, and to want to confirm the bias that we have is, I, I think, is is normal. In fact, human that that we want <laughs> we want to look for information to validate the way we think, right? Because it's. There's the attachment to it, or the attachment to at least being right about our beliefs, anyway. 
Yeah. So given all that, Paul, how do I fix my problem? <laughs> I've got this schism. Uh-huh. And oh, and, and I also brought this up earlier, too. But because of all that, I have stopped sharing any kind of political satire. I've decided that I truly think there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to make this. It doesn't matter which direction I'm going, but I think I want change and I want to convince the world or at least those dumb enough to listen to me in social media that I, I think there's a problem. But I don't think sharing jokes is the right way to do that anymore. I mean, I always thought that it was a funny way to ease someone into maybe some painful information that, hey, maybe you were wrong, you know. (laughs) But now I'm of the feeling, no, let's just stick to facts and hope that they chiseled their way through whatever armor. And again, I'm assuming I'm right and Mm -hmm. everyone else is wrong or whatever. And and that's a big assumption of mine. But if I'm in that situation, any other ideas of how to like come together without actually discussing it because that tends to inflame emotions uh, every time I've tried. Yeah. Well, the the notion that, um, I mean, or just the idea that to use humor as a way to kind of soften the blow of information that hope, hopefully it'll be maybe more digestible or more palatable, um, I think is, is, is a good intention. But as we've learned... Um, one, first of all, has to have a sense of humor. <laughs> and find it funny. Yeah. <laughs> to find things funny. And I, I correlate, by the way, on, on, on that, that the better my humor is, the better sense of humor is, the easier it is for me to laugh at myself and my folly and, and, and my bozoness. That if I can accept that, even my confirmation bias, when, and I don't always catch it, by all means, it, it, it's, it, it is not the easiest thing to always find because the belief systems get so wrapped up in old stories. But the, the notion that I have it and that I'm, I'm at least willing to take a look at it, but the, sometimes I just find myself laughing at the things I think need to be true, especially about people. But it's easy to look at um, you know, religious dogma or, or politics and, you know, underscore, you know, how div- divisive that becomes at times. And then it becomes difficult to laugh about, especially if someone believes something wholeheartedly, you know, that they, they, that they believe that the way they see the world or the way they perceive the world and the truth about it that is absolute. And I suppose that's where maybe things begin to fall apart is this idea of absolutes instead of just basic, in, instead of personal experience where well i've experienced this this is true for me but it was just that moment i I don't know if it's true for everyone or if i can hold it up as an absolute and say well everyone should feel this way when this happens to them you know i think the people have just gotten really good at deception i mean they're and and i'm saying being evil you know people have really (laughs) gone way too far with misleading people you know, oh, intentionally, you mean? Yeah, intentionally. Yeah, oh, yeah, intentionally. Yeah. Using half-truths to sell something when they know that their focus is on the part that's not true, but no one's paying attention to these half-truths. And then, honestly, the uh, people in mass, you know, average intelligence, mm-hmm. definition of in mass kind of thing, see that half-truth. And because of psychology and confirmation bias, now the whole thing's truth and don't tear apart at this other little piece. Right. And religion and politics are perfect examples of that because in both sides, everybody has an agenda. Stories have half truths. Stories have been used for, you know, sometimes opposite uh, 
things, opposite arguments sometimes just to use to back up their, you know, what they want. An eye for an eye, does that mean more violence or it's when you, when you have things with so much gray and then you have some people interpreting half truths as whole truths, that's when you get into a lot of this trouble, I think. Sure. Well, and, and, and back to this, this notion, um, of how s- simple and easy it is to f- to fall into confirmation bias. As parents, we do this with our kids quite often. I mean, not everyone does this. Some some people don't like their kids. <laughs> there have been moments I haven't. You know, I don't you, think anybody <laughs> likes their kids all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that wasn't stereo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, but the idea that you know, I'll, I'll see, I'll, I'll see my. It's, it's difficult for me to see my child, in, in, you know, in, in a certain light, um, uh, because I just don't want to see them that way. I don't want to think of them as that way, even though someone else may have had a completely rational experience with them that that they see them that way, or their experience was that they were mean or unhealthy, or you know, they did something inappropriate, and you know, and so my confirmation bias, and when it would kick in, it would go, oh. Okay, well, yeah, but you know they're just they're just a kid. I mean that that kind of that's a beautiful form of confirmation biases. Yeah, they're just they're just being a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking that during that whole story, you know, you're such the good guy, and me in that story, my first reaction is always, "What did my kid do?" <laughs> I, I'm, I always assume negative. I well, and that's because something's gone wrong. You yeah, know? no, I and got you. No. Hopefully, I, I do that my too. Kids. But yeah, I always, always assume in a situation, that's just my personality. You know, in the dog park, I'll be the first to apologize for my dog. And, and, and I know I don't take my dog to the park enough, so he's the one causing a problem if right. there's going to be a problem. Yeah. And, and not that I don't take my kids to the dog park enough, but, <laughs> you know, when it's already a negative situation, I think it's natural to be reminded of all the bad things your kid has done. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you think you're getting another one and you just kind of assume that the adult or the reporter or whatever isn't lying and that your son's been the bad one. Yeah, let's, yeah. yeah. But what's nice is I am... What did, uh, what did, they, what did they do now? Yes. I, I am pleasantly surprised way more often than not when my child isn't to blame. Ah, there but, you go. So. But the, it, that, as an example, that's often, you know, I don't don't want to see a certain person in, in a certain light. Um, we used to, I joked about this in, um, back in the, in, the, in the Clinton era, you know, when I, I mean, I realized I had I had confirmation bias about Clinton. I mean, you know, and, and I remember Eddie Isser did a, a skit on this. It was beautiful. It, you know, the, there should be different scales of lying, you know, um, like, you know, there's one, you know, and I. The, the, this in the sense of humor, right? That you know, it's it's one thing to to, to deny the Holocaust, you know, or something like that, or um, you know, I'm going to throw this in there. So there's a little bit of political f- folly, uh, or that you know, three thousand people died in uh, Puerto Rico. You know, I mean, there's one, there's one that you know, there's different kinds of line, and then you know, the the line of yeah. I had sex with that person, you know, or no, I didn't have sex with that person. I mean, he used to say, what's the scale for that? What's the punishment for lying about sex or lying about the Holocaust or, or, you know, or or lying about murder or something like that? Well, I didn't follow that trial closely, but it, it, and I could be completely off base to to what happened because I really didn't follow it closely. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't care about a blowjob. (laughs) <laughs> That's what it came down to. I really didn't care. I thought the whole thing was kind of funny, you know. It well, was, it is. That's it. That's it. It is funny. Yeah, it but I mean, funny. I didn't think it affected his job or should affect his job. Right. And then him lying about it, I thought, well, that's t- if he lied under oath, that's bad. You know, mm-hmm. he could be in trouble for that. But 
and again, if I'm um, misremembering or, or paraphrasing this incorrectly, but from what I remember, he had asked, he had actually asked the court for a definition of sex, and he found a plausible way to claim that what yeah. he did wasn't yeah, yeah. sex in yeah, their definition. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that to me, while a hundred percent deceitful, is what you do as a lawyer. And so, uh, you know, I, I cheersed him on that one. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> a lawyer does what a lawyer does. And, and again, I just didn't find it criminal. Yeah. But I, I actually wasn't a Clinton supporter. Yeah. It wasn't until he was out of office. And, you know, I start looking back at the numbers that I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't like that guy at all. I couldn't wait to get rid of him, mm-hmm. even though I was amused by the, you know, the scandal. Sure. Yeah. And looking back now, he's one of my favorites, yeah. like him and Carter, who I didn't like at the time. And, and Reagan, I loved. And I don't. You know, hindsight and all, he was not a great president. In my but opinion. those, those, that, this is what I'm saying. So, um, you know, I, I was a Clinton supporter at the time, and and so I did. I tried to find ways to rationalize and justify his behavior or why it should be minimized, why it shouldn't be a big deal, and that was my bias. I was, I was saying, you know, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's the same kind of thing you hear now from, um, from the. Uh, the uh, the Christian right about about Trump. I mean the same the same kind of thing that um, you know we're we're going to give him a pass on this. You know we uh, what what do the, what do the a lot of the his uh, his supporters say? You know it was co- already cooked into the 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 um, the idea or the you know what we knew what we knew about this person the right. same kind of thing. So it's already cooked in. So we just accept that that's who he is. And you know. But but until and again, there's the confirmation bias. I, I I'm using Clinton for me as an example because, you know, if he lied, he he lied, and it, it should be held accountable for the lie, even if it is something as stupid as, as a blowjob. Okay, so not. But that. I thought he effectively got out of the lie <laughs> yeah. legally, yeah, he did. not morally. I, I'm I'm not judging him morally. You know, I, I don't know his family situation. <laughs> it seems pretty bad. I don't see anything positive, but uh, it wasn't my business. So. It's true. It's true. And this, and I'm honestly, I mean, I can say the same thing, you know, about Trump. It's none of my business. You know, his personal life and all that stuff. I don't know if it really matters or not. I, I mean, I really don't. I'm not sure it 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 should be such a big deal if it has to do with you know, dishonesty, or if there's, if there's some law broken along the way, then that's one issue. But what someone does in their personal life, I just don't know if it should be such a big deal. No, but I mean, if you're concerned with the fact that Clinton lied, we've got dozens a day now, you know, it's over 5,000 since he's been in office. So, but, but lying's not illegal. It, 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 It certainly reflects on his character, but there's nothing illegal about lying all the time unless you're under oath that's true that's so. true yeah which maybe is, is uh and of course there's stories going going on going around about that oh um, well i'm just giggling about that so you know but but again that that's the kind of thing i don't really i don't want to say i don't like discussing because i'll discuss anything mm-hmm. but that's the kind of thing i don't really even like discussing online the the current investigation because mm-hmm. i want it to be done and finish yeah and and in fact um we had a great trip with some um, some relatives recently, mm-hmm. and um, you know we, we we were talking a little bit about the investigation, mm-hmm. and they think it's a complete waste of time, mm-hmm. which is a common you know theme for for a lot of our country. Uh-huh. But I thought I was explaining a lot of people have been indicted. Mm-hmm. They were saying, "Well, that's not Trump." It's like, 
Trump isn't in the investigation. This is an investigation into election meddling and corruption in the campaign. Right. And they found lots of people guilty of exactly that. Mm -hmm. Let it finish. We don't need to discuss it. I mean, people are going to go to jail or they're not. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think maybe the, the focal point becomes um, that there are people that want, <laughs> they want Trump to have a smoking gun somewhere, which is part of it, right? They, they, want, they want him to be caught with a smoking gun. Oh, so do I. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Let's, let's say that's true. Well, but but that, that, that's a personal desire that has nothing to do with fact. Right. Trump could be innocent of absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. He could just be the idiot that hired, you know, 16 people to commit <laughs> crimes around him. I, I, I don't know. And I don't. Care. I mean, sure, I would love for him to be guilty, but that that's, has nothing based in fact, you know. He, he might not be guilty. <laughs> I, would, I, I, I doubt it, but he might not. Yeah. So, so, but yeah, I would love to have a smoking gun just to end the madness, yeah. just to get back to something reasonably normal. Right, right. And, but but, the, but I guess the point I was going with that is is to support your notion that we should allow the um, the investigation to go on. We should support our government investigating meddling into our elections. Um, that that's something, um, regardless of even um, you know what your political stance is or what someone's political views are, that we should we should support these kinds of things because the idea is to, is to understand why you know. And then, I mean, I, maybe there's some people that don't care, and that's okay too. I mean, again, not. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know. That again, that would be you know why aren't you you know this, well, we should all be living up to some kind of civic duty I guess but voting I mean voting I guess you know really in in the big picture um, is is you know part of what I guess makes a democracy work and if we can't do it at some level where we have certain expectations of what the outcome of voting is going to be and and how and the, the, what the process of it is. And then, and how people are getting their information and how it's being influenced. I don't think anything, any of this is, you know, in, in maybe in some ways is, 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 uh, hasn't been going on for a long time. I just think the information and technology, um, and learning, boy, and, and, and learning to understand sort of some of the tribalism effects, um, and the populist effects and, and sort of some of the, um, the idealism that goes is associated with those has caused a natural type of division where people then begin to focus on the differences quite often. And it doesn't even, I don't think matter sometimes what they, the differences are for them. It's just, it, it could be just in a simple conversation. It doesn't even have to be a big issue like, you know, politics or, or religion or something like that. It's just that I want, I, I want to focus on those things that, that make me different from you or make you less than 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 me in in some way or another. Well, so you know why the Constitution was written the way it was with the branches and everything. Mm. It was mainly two really big dangers to um, to any working government, and the first was a charismatic. I keep thinking oligarch, but that's not the word I, I want. That's, Totalitarian, but, but just a charismatic person that that uh could could get a lot of votes and get put in power and then just be a complete um a detriment to the country. Mm-hmm. And the second was a faction doing the exact same thing. And so we we put into place the, the representatives to try to protect us from factions and, and the electoral college to try to prevent, protect us from from electing the person who is unqualified. 
And I, I think that this has kind of showed us that both of those are kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's the fault of the Constitution or no. even of the no, people. No, no, no. I, I it, it's technology um, launching us so far ahead. You know, I, as an engineer, and I'm a software engineer, mm-hmm. I feel really sorry for like Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. He created a platform for, for people to share ideas. And now he's being judged for the ideas that people, people are sharing. People are sharing on, that, on, a, on a platform. Yes. It's like you can't have people share lies. It's like I just let people share stuff. <laughs> you know, I feel really bad for that and for Google. You know, Trump doesn't like how many search results he gets back. <laughs> I, I mean, somebody should probably explain to him that not everyone agrees with him. You know, they're, they're, and until he has a majority agreeing with him, he's not going to get in a majority of results on things that he – But but – you know, it's this weird legislation starting to come into these these platforms that are kind of. Uh, so, in my job, we're what talking I do, about censorship. Is we it, are, but we're even talking about censorship at a level I don't think it should be done. I, agree. I mean, some censorship is necessary. Yeah, uh, child pornography is a great example. Yeah, exactly. needs to be exploitation. Cent- yes. Yeah, exploit and any yeah. and illegal activities. You know, yeah. th- there are things that need to be censored and kept mm-hmm. out. But for me, it's also about the level at which it's being censored. Why should Facebook be censoring the data? And how can they censor this? Do they need to build these things to be able to tell when when things are right or wrong, mm-hmm. or this is too left, and we've shared too many left things lately. We need to share something on the right. I mean, it's. It's not anything that could ever be legislated correctly without breaking everything. And that's the way that the world seems to be headed right now because people in power are kind of um, older and ignorant of new technologies. Well, isn't isn't this just a, a technical version of the snake oil, uh, you know, analogy where the guy comes into town in, in his cart, you know, and he's got something that cures everything, and you know, people believe him, and and you know, and to, besides the placebo effect, right? Um, you know, to putting that aside uh, for a moment, but this the same kind of thing is you read something or you hear something on the internet, and if it if it tickles in any way some kind of of of, of natural a leaning of a, of a bias or or an ideal in some ways or if it's either negative or positive again not not all some bias can be negative and bias can be positive if it if it i want it to go against something that i don't like then i make i may i may click on that and go well what is that and that there's 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 really what it comes down to the the guy that's selling the snake oil I mean, theoretically, right? Um, he wants to cure your problems. So, and and if I feel that that this, that'll work, then yeah, maybe I'll dish out the you know the twenty bucks for the snake oil and go home and hopefully you know become, you know again um, the placebo effect aside, um, you know may, it'll it'll maybe heal my. <laughs> you know, you keep talking about placebo effect, <laughs> but I've seen plenty of images of some of those old bottles of snake oil and. Um, People were happy. It may not cure whatever ailment they had, but uh, I think there was a little more than placebo effect going on. Well, yeah, there's a little opium in a lot of those. Opium, there's cocaine. I've seen uh, cannabinoids in some Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Doc Holliday had some good medicine. Doc Holliday had some very well. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. But I guess I'm comparing that to we, we, we 
take a we we take a bite out of what kind of you know on some level is confirming things that we have or look at in a positive or a negative way. If we if we want to if we w- want to reinforce the negative and that's what our focus is the, is the problem, then we'll 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 click on that. That that's what we'll that's the feed we'll go into. Um, oh, and one of the other things about this this whole social media piece too. Um, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm making a right turn here, but is the idea of <clears throat> you know the the, fa- the 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 fake people and you know the the um, the the trollers that are out writing comments just to get a reaction, which I I think is, I mean I, I'm. <laughs> I mean, I don't like it, and it does rile me sometimes. But I, um, it can be really entertaining. There's another part of me, yes, that goes, "Bravo!" <laughs> I, I, I almost want to give these. I almost want to give them a hand because they're intentionally, you know, spark trying to spark and create a spark or you know this emotional response, and it works. They it, and this is where you know we get down to how predictable really are we? I mean, as humans, right? I mean that we buy all this. You know, we buy we we buy all this shit. We just sort of just eat it up. It's like we consume this information, and if it fits what we want our our truth or reality to be, we'll just keep eating more of it. And so, just again, it confirms that. So, no, I was actually gonna uh, wonder where the, you know, since we have this platform that can be used to share lies, yeah, and plenty of people share lies, yeah, or share, like you said, snake oil, which is even. Worse, because you're selling a product of some kind, maybe not directly, maybe it's a political product that you know is going to come to fruition later, but it's uh-huh. very much like snake oil. Where do you draw the line between that and um, maybe homeopathy? And not necessarily that homeopathy is, is wrong, but some things do have no measurable medicinal effect. And some things do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's a lot of homeopathic remedies that are actually very good remedies. Mm-hmm. And some that are just snake oil, but may make people feel better and have the placebo effect. And mm-hmm. I honestly think there's nothing wrong with that. I right. mean, if if uh, making someone happier with a with a um, an aroma mm-hmm. makes them feel better, makes them relax, and their body might even heal faster because of that. I mean, I'm very much into you know physician heal thyself. If your body is able yes. to heal itself, do it. Sure, but it's not really measurable. And some of that could be snake oil and. Um, you know, some things are very expensive and you wonder, okay, is this more of a profit? Is this more of a medicine? It's Well, you know what you know what the, the people that uh that believe in in, in this these form uh, this this form of science that is difficult to measure, even though I mean you 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 brought up the the aromas or the uh uh the, the sense of smell and smell is powerful. As, as well, you I know. believe in that. Yeah, I, I do too. And I don't have a, I don't have a, a rational reason for it, but I I believe in, in aromatherapy. I think yeah. it does work. I think I do relax for some motors better than others. But sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. It's, it's it's fine. The the this idea that no, I was going to take the 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 positive confirmation bias role. So I'm I'm going to play out a little character here is the idea that well we just haven't developed the instruments. And the mechanisms to um, quantify and be able to determine what the 
medicinal values of a homeopathic is because it works on a, a, a on a different level energetically. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm doing here, right? So I, I'm I'm saying that that that's I've heard that before. We just don't have the tools or the ways uh, means to um, recognize that. And I, you know, when we talk about or when when the term you know a term like is it empirically can it be imper- empirically verified or studied? You know, we do that under a certain guise. And I, you know, the la- the first time we got together, I know it was a, a while ago, um, but we. <laughs> I think we had the conversation about what's measurable, you know, like physics and, th- and things like that. And and um, and I think I don't even remember exactly what you said, but I thought you were talking something about physics and the idea that, you know, I can kind of count on that up to a certain point, you know, that that that, that you know, these things will happen over and over again. And and that makes sense. And that's comforting. And that seems real or it, tangible. It was uh, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. The Heisenberg un- yeah. uncertainty and, principle. And, and, and all it really means is you don't know of something. Something, it's a, it's particle physics, so it's a single itty bitty high energy particle. So, right. an atom, an electron, a proton flying it like near the speed of light, which which they like to do. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it and all the uncertainty principles says is you can either know where it is at any given moment, mm-hmm. or you can know. I hope I'm getting this right. It's been a long time since I took this. Or you can know um, its direction and energy. You can't like know both. But what it gives you is the ability to predict with very, very accurately predict whether or not a particle will be there. Now, I'm I'm talking about one and one you can't predict at all. But if you're doing millions and and all particle physics has to do millions because it's. It's hard to slice one um, anything off of anything, you know, one electron. But but that's kind of what it is, is you can. And in fact, that atomic bomb would not work without this principle so that they can predict with great accuracy the probability that the particle will be there, but not whether it's actually there or not. But it turns out that probability is all they need to make things blow up or, or get energy or make them hot or, you know, all the all the nuclear right. physics is fine with with the with the um, probability as opposed to actually knowing whether a particle is there. And the, okay, that's beautifully said. And, and then there's this whole other side of that, which is, I mean, which is maybe the quantum, the quantum side, right? Or the quantum physics side, which is, it, it, is it, does it take someone's attention? Does it take some type of conscious attention to determine that it's a particle to begin with? Because all the tools, I mean, this is where I, I, I know this. I'm, I know that I'm, I'm really waxing out here, you know, philosophically a bit, but all the tools were designed under the idea of um, the intention of witnessing a particle or being able to measure, you know, outcomes based upon energy and movement. If, 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 if it's from the other, if from that perspective, does that mean that it can only measure things that are based upon the intention of we expect it to be there? And which means, you know, if you're observing it, it's, it's, it's a particle. If you're not, it's a wave kind of thing, you know, that. Well, yeah, that was the other part of it is as soon as you observe it, you change it. <laughs> and, and this was the weird thing. This was the mind screwing thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how you observe it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way we see things with our eyes, mm-hmm. there, there are little, literally particles bouncing off things and hitting our, the back of our eye. I mean, it, it's physically stuff. And so when we were observing these particles, 
we can't throw things at the particle to get it back to measure it. So we can't like see it or use anything <laughs> like that. But we, we do, they do have other measure, other methods of detecting other particles, but as soon as they detect them, they affect the particle. Yeah. But, but the, that's kind of where I get the think theory I was behind going, it though, right? is you don't even have to touch it or affect it in any way when you observe it, but your observation still changes it. Yes. And with the, with the particle physics that also transcends space and time, it doesn't matter how or where you are. And that gets into some, some other scary stuff. I don't like quantum physics. Yeah. It, it screws with my head. I can't, sure. I can't visualize it. I can't rationalize yeah. it. Well, but the beautiful part about it though, is that it, <clears throat> it, it we can go full circle and come right back to that. Um, quantum in quantum physics, probably com- the idea of confirmation bias has to go out the window somewhere, because as soon as we have have, have we try to confirm what we think is true, um, something's going to probably that's true. It would have changed. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how it screws up time, because it could have been the one thing right up until you looked at it. Mm-hmm. And and again, looking at it doesn't matter when or where. It's it's messed up. Yeah, I love, love, love it. Physics doesn't really apply very well to, especially that low level physics to like life. But you've managed to do it. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. You know, though, um, that this 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 thread did start with the idea of how Facebook gets used and manipulated based upon this nice idea of. Uh, a Harvard undergrad wanting to create a platform for people to share ideas, you know, and and uh, and make some money. I mean, you know, this social network concept it it works, and it's become a powerful tool. And it was only a matter of time before it got weaponized. I guess. I mean, I'm not sure that that's exactly the correct word, David. I think that's the right word. I think that's do? really accurate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, it's not just an ad platform. And that's kind of what's screwing up with people, too. We're used to seeing ads. Mm-hmm. If I see something I know as an advertisement, immediately I'm skeptical. You know, whatever they're trying to show me sure. and sell me, I know they're trying to make money. But on Facebook, on social media, it's not obvious. Yeah. Someone shares that's a, really true. a that story, is true. a sad story about someone getting screwed. You empathize. You're, oh, my God, the government did that. A Republican did that. A Democrat mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be true. You're still angry about it. Later on, somebody tells you it didn't happen. You're still going to be angry about the Democrat or Republican. Yeah. yeah. And that's the part that's hard to get past. And, and who's breaking the law by sharing a, a lie or, or worse yet, something that's just misleading? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's I don't know that there's a solution or that there ever will be. We just have this ability for anyone to get out an idea to, to masses. And if they're, uh, you know, a good salesman. Mm-hmm. They can change people's minds. Well, the, the, okay. Well, let's. This this is the question you know we discussed talking about. Maybe this is a. I mean, that was a perfect segue. You know, why do people lie? I mean, you know, you know. I, I remember one of the things that stood out for. We'll come back, but one of the things that stood out to me um, uh, when I uh, uh, growing up was the. I, mean, I can remember the first time I met. Um, a, uh, and I can't remember if it was through my, um, through my mother or whatever, but I, I met a, a Japanese family and they just come to the United States and, and the, the gentleman I met, the father, I think I was in my mid teens or something like that. Um, 
And um, the people I was with, I think one of the, the parents ma- made a sarcastic joke. And, and this was the, the you know, and, and so my brain, even at that point, and this is the 60s, had, had, had you know, I, I changed that around and I, and I understood the language and I, and I knew what sarcasm was. And um, I, I, I interpreted it in a certain way and kind of filtered things out and, and then kind of understood what he was actually saying. But if, if I didn't understand sarcasm very well, and I just heard that, I, I probably would have thought something different about the information that, that the guy was giving. I can't, I can't remember the story, but this is, and, and the, the, the um, Japanese gentleman didn't understand. He didn't understand sarcasm. And I kind of thought, what's, what's a, well, that's interesting. Why didn't he understand sarcasm? And then, I mean, shortly after that is this notion I kind of got, is sarcasm a form of lying then? Because we use it to kind of make light or humor, even though, you know, according to some translation, it means tearing of the flesh. But do we we use sarcasm to not have to be direct with information or to talk about something and, and, and not make it like hard, something that maybe is hard to talk about? How did we get to this place? I mean, why, why do we, why, why do we use that? I mean, personally, uh, um, the tearing of the flesh reference is, is more accurate to the way I use it. I don't, I use it to um, scold or, or mock or depending on the severity of the sarcasm mm-hmm. to, you know, completely chastise someone for asking a really stupid question <laughs> and, and, and or a question I think is really stupid. And I think that's kind of where it came from is, you know. At some point, you don't need to ask every little detail. You can guess right mm-hmm. most of the time. And I think that's where it started. But um, it, I guess it is lying. But it, it, it's the whole point of it is it's supposed to be so obvious because that's what makes the knife twisting hurt. You know, is, But there are cultural aspects of this, is what I'm saying. is not everyone looks at, understands sarcasm or their language doesn't translate it in the same way. So... Um, well, in English, we just make it purely opposite. The only the only thing we might do is add some inflection, you know, that, that makes it obvious that it's a, you know, <laughs> you're doing that. <laughs> but uh, well, th- this was this was a wake up call for me. It was a moment in which I, I had the realization that not everyone that language is more than just words. That there's there's information behind it, and how that inf- and the way it's presented can uh, change. How, how people see that realizing that sarcasm is, 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 I mean, what was, what did you just say? Sarcasm is saying something, the opposite, using well, an right, opposite reference to. Yeah, because it, it should be, because it's usually in response to a question. Mm-hmm. And when the question has an obvious answer, the sarcasm is usually answering the opposite because, you know, obviously it can't be that answer. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. And I just wonder if as, as you know, we've, we've, we've as humans, we've got. Have we just gotten comfortable with this idea of lying? And I remember I asked you before we started. You know, the uh, one of the things that I've, I've noticed in, in in my life that there there are ways or references in which I lie to myself, um, and and not always out of understanding, and and maybe it's based upon already beliefs I have, or, or, or maybe this even goes back to, you know, certain biases I have, that I take information in and I'll tell myself something and I'll just assume it's true. And, and you know, Freud would say, you know, well, it's because you have a, a well-honed and refined um, series of defense mechanisms like um, 
you know, projection, minimization, rationalization, and so on and so forth. That that you don't we don't always because we're constructing this this reality in this world that we want to live in, and there's certain things that we just don't want to really deal with about ourselves. So it's easier to package those into something where we don't have to we don't have to be honest with ourselves about them or protect ourselves from that information. This you know almost avoid it in a way. Um, now. I don't think that's necessarily the same person I am today that maybe I was 20 or 30 years ago. But I know getting to the getting getting here, I've gone through this place of uh, at times of having sort of this wake up moment of, oh, that that may not be true. You know, I'm, I, 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 I may not really understand this or see it, it correctly. Um, and I have a really terrible example of this, by the way. <laughs> So I I, I I told this uh, story for a long time. Now, when I started telling the story, and it was back when I was a, a teenager um, and living in Connecticut, and uh, for better or for worse, I, I, at this time I was experimenting with uh, a lot of uh, hallucinogenics. And, um, and I, I remember that I wanted to be accepted or liked by certain people. So I told the story to someone about an experience I had under the influence of hallucinogens at um, a, a national university um, in a study. Uh, and um, and I did, I did know the, the psychologist at, at the university and, and I, we, I was friends with them. Um, but the story I told wasn't true. But I, I, I told the story, I, I created this lie to exaggerate or to um, make myself look in a certain light, you know. The, the fish story, right? The fish was this big. Um, and it had to do with doing some research on hallucinogens and, and uh, in deprivation tanks and all this stuff. And... Um, Everything was, I mean, the, the the drugs were true, my relationship was, and the depri deprivation tanks were true. But wasn't was what wasn't true was how they all fit together. But I made up this elaborate story to make it sound, you know, really big and, and, and crazy. And, you know, but why I thought people would think that was cool is a whole nother story. So jump ahead 20 years. I begin telling this story to my present wife, you know, and I'm, I'm in the middle, I'm started telling the story. I'm in the middle of it. And I go, Oh my fuck, that story isn't true. And I've probably had told it, I don't know, a hundred times, maybe hundreds of times in my life to different people. And I told it so many times that I don't, I don't think I had I, even realized it wasn't, it wasn't a true story that there, there were elements of it that were, but the majority, the whole, purpose of telling it and to somehow um, glorify myself was was not true you know and and so it was a lie that I had actually taken on and 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 start and and had made part of my story and it wasn't a true story it wasn't true but I had been lying to myself gratiating myself with to other people under the guise of this was a cool story and I remember telling her, and I, she goes, she went, well, finish telling the story. I go, <laughs> it, and that's when I started to realize what stories were. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that, but I, I will exaggerate anecdotes. And I yeah. remember several times telling little stories, you know, things from life. 
oh, did that really happen? I'm like, well, most of it. But, <laughs> but, but the rest of it made for a better story. But when you asked earlier, you mentioned, you know, well, we all lie. And I'm like, well, I lie, but actually I don't. I, I mainly don't. Now, I'll, I'll stretch an anecdote. And um, uh, and you were saying, well, when do you lie? Uh-huh. And that, that one opened it up. I lie only for things I'm embarrassed about. And the reason I don't lie is not some big moral thing I'm better than everyone else. It's just too hard to keep track of them. Mm-hmm. If I start lying to people, I have to remember who I lied, who true, I told the true. truth, who I told no, didn't. I, I, gotcha. and, and I learned as a kid, I just do not have the, the attitude to be able to keep up with that kind of effort. I, I can't lie. But I'll lie not on a job application, mm-hmm. but maybe in an interview. It, it, you know, what's your most embarrassing moment at work? You're not getting the truth. <laughs> You're going to get the best story I can come up with that'll get me a position at the company. You know, you, um, I, I won't directly lie about facts or, or things like that, but no, I'll, I will choose which story, story to share and not mm-hmm. always be truthful in those situations. Just like if you ask me my pin code right now, well, I'd probably give it to you, but I wouldn't, <laughs> give, I wouldn't give it to a stranger. I'd simply say, no, I wouldn't uh-huh. lie and give them a fake number. You know, it, uh-huh. there's just no point. There's, there's, and I found that is generally true for most of my life. There's no point in lying. Yeah. You know, my boss wants to know why I didn't get as much done yesterday as I could have. I slacked off a little, you know, <laughs> surfed a little too much. Uh-huh. Why lie? Oh, I don't know. The problem was hard. No, everybody slacks off now and then. Just tell the truth. It's easier. It's quicker. And you don't have to worry about getting caught in a lie sometimes. Yeah. Well, this has become a big issue, obviously, in politics right now. And I don't know if it's any worse now than it ever has been. <clears throat> um, I do I do appreciate the humor, though I do see it humorously now. The idea that people are keeping track of, you know, the president's lies, right? Like it's up around in the 5,000 area, I guess. It broke you know? 5,000 and they and it's um, increasing. He started off at like eight a day. Now his, his record's 30-something, I think, in a, or maybe it's uh-uh. 100 and something. It, it's insane. His last rally hit records, though. Yeah. Um, for who? I don't know why presidents have rallies. That that seems to be a new thing. Well, it's it, it's... Well, I I think some people need that. I think there's this idea of um, performing, and, and um, if I if I look at it, I, I kind of think this is you know what some somebody they feel good, and it's a way to feel connected to you know I guess in this case their tribe or whatever you want to call it. I I, I think it, it does. It is weird. Yeah. But I, I think as 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 human beings become isolated, or they don't feel like they're supported or liked or, or loved or cared about, um, and I don't care who's president, they they you know you know or who's in politics, that everyone has that feeling from time to time um, in life. Um, but in this case, because that that's probably such a narrow group of people at this point for our president, he he probably needs rallies just to you know, make sure that he's able to keep functioning on some emotional and mental level, even if it does seem maybe childlike in some ways, you know. And I do want to apologize because that question was obviously not true. Which one? I don't know why presidents hold rallies. Oh, you know, oh, oh, oh. It just oh. occurred to me that that was a very <laughs> passive-aggressive way to just dig you, a knife. You, and you, uh, you, So uh, you, you, I apologize. Uh, so there you proved the point of what I certainly line. did. Oh, no, no, <laughs> and that was worse. That was me trying to put a little political satire where it's not. But I apologize. So. <laughs> no, that was perfect. No, that was actually, thank you. That was perfect. Because that question was not truthful. I, I had no question why 
this particular president is throwing rallies. Yeah, and, yeah. You you knew is what you're saying. Of course. Okay, sorry. Right. So that that's the kind of lie I will actually, and, and I don't know if you call that sarcasm, satire, trying to be funny, whatever, but um, that actually happens a lot. That was and, good. But but it it it. it and it was it was accidental. I didn't notice till after I'd done it that I'd done it. But that's actually the kind of ways that I think we shouldn't discuss things. Hmm. I mean, obviously, it it poked your button and you kind of uh, went off a little bit, and that's what I wanted. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I don't think that convinced anybody that this is weird behavior, or <laughs> or, or even that. You know, that the intended target for, for such satire mm-hmm. would, would understand it. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say they're dumb, but it probably just wouldn't notice. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He does it, and he seems to like it. Yeah. You know, so. Well. Th- I don't think it's a good way to get my point across, is what I'm saying. It so, might be funny, but. So, with lying, then, I mean, with this idea of lying, does it, has it, has it, has it become that, have, has there been sort of a whitewashing that it's now, completely expected um and again boy that could be so i just heard it as the words coming out of my mouth that it's just expected now that all politicians lie i mean i've probably said that statement a thousand times in my life but this idea that we expect them to so that we're not surprised when they do even even if it is i don't think that's fair i I think i mean yes that's where we're at right now but i don't think that's the norm or it should be I, i think that the Dirty politics, and there's always going to be dirty politics. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be the politician pushing for something that they just have a secret vested interest in. I mean, that it's hard to even say this, but that is the more honest way mm-hmm. of doing uh-huh. the politics as opposed to just lying to our faces. Because at that point, I mean, and honestly, in, in our world, why would any foreign dignitary ever believe anything our leader said? I don't have, I don't know. You know, why, why even meet? Why even have a discussion with North Korea? Right. right. Because no one's going to do anything. No, no one's going to keep up their own promises. They're not. We're not. Why waste our time with this leader? It's the, it's the dance. It's the dance that they do. Well, well, well sure. And we need to keep peace. And, and I'm not yeah. discounting that. But, yeah. I mean, when... Um, when Ford were to talk to, I'm going so far back, no one cares about politics anymore. <laughs> so if Ford were to talk to a foreign dignitary and make a promise, uh-huh. that foreign dignitary would have uh, a very high confidence that the leader of the United States would keep his promise. Right. Now we're not there. And so while I agree negotiations are very important, I don't see the importance in a negotiation where you know the other side's not going to keep up their end. Sure. Now, with North Korea in the past, e- even... Well, not in Ford's time because it was a different country. But um, let's say 15 years ago, because I can't do the math. I don't know who was president. So 15 years ago, when we were t- don't do the math. When we were talking to uh, North Korea, we didn't expect them to hold up their end. But we expected us to hold up our end so that we could hold their feet under the fire when they didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was the negotiation. And that would cause sanctions or whatever. When both sides lie, there, there's not even any any not even a little bit of meat in the negotiation. Right. You can't hold anybody accountable because, I mean, there was never a contract. There was never a meeting of the minds. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ms. W., by the way. Okay. <laughs> I, I know we're only on audio, but his eyes rolled back as he was doing the math. To... <laughs> well, I was, I was like, I was, has it, it seems like that was like, it should be so much longer ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it, it wasn't. No, it, it wasn't close though. Yeah. The, uh, the 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 notion though of, of of humans in line and 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 you know, uh, I I always kind of wondered and you know you we sort of have that maybe maybe there's a general moral ethical compass um, and I know this from where my background is it's a bit waspy to say. Um, but that the, there are these standards and codes that that we you know I grew up to live by, and honesty was one of them. Um, but I also learned at a very young age that there were things that that I, I shouldn't tell, uh, talk about, or I shouldn't tell. So um, that because it would bring harm. So most people lie for the purpose of to avoid you know some kind of harm or consequences in their life, it, 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 issues that they think either somebody won't approve of or they won't like them for. They'll get in trouble for or you know. you'd be arrested for, you know, go to jail for. I mean, you know, it depends on the level of consequences. One may be just, um, you know, a a partner getting upset and, (laughs) you know, getting chewed out for it or something like that. Well, actually, that that brings a point. That's where I lie um, quite often. Mm -hmm. Tammy sometimes tells me information I'm not supposed to know. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to have about maybe her work Mm -hmm. or friends or something else. Mm -hmm. And then someone else will ask me about said information. I have to lie that I don't know it. Yeah. And that's, that's actually probably my most common deceit is um, acting ignorant of something I'm not ignorant of because the way I got the information, I'm not supposed to know. Sure. And it it causes me a lot of stress. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like her telling me things I'm not supposed to know. What a great point. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I, I mean, I think about it in my field. You know, I have I have clients that know each other because, you know, one working in a in a treatment center environment, you know, an agency where a lot where some of my clients come from, and then, you know, the different groups and that I'm I'm involved with, and some of these people know each other. You know, and I, they'll be I'll be in the middle of a session with someone, and, you know, and they'll bring up someone in their life, and I know that person too, and and they'll then they may say just you know innocently. Well, how are they doing? And I look at them and I give them the eye like, you know, I can't talk about, you know, mm-hmm. that. And this is, there's even though there's a gray area in, the, in there probably because they all know each other, they, they look at me and go, oh, you probably can't tell me that, right? And I go, but, you know, that's something you should go figure out for yourself. Probably in, in life, in friendship, people, if you ask me about, you know, John or Rich or something like that, if I'd seen them recently, that, that wouldn't be an issue, right? But I realize in my profession, you right, definitely, I, I you know. I, well, both legal and moral things. I mean, it might be something benign, but it also might be something that, even though it's benign, the, the subject is benign, legally you still can't discuss it yeah, because right, it yeah. could be a, it's, you know. It's a slight ethical violation by, by all means. Well, I remember when I was uh, younger, we had we, I was at a company, and I was really good friends with the CEO. And we had a bunch of – and I was uh, traveling on business, so I happened to be there, and there were a bunch of suits in the office late mm-hmm. at night. And so I texted him or something and said, hey, what's going on? Are we getting sold or something like that? He's like, no. And like the next day, we were sold. <laughs> and – I was like, well, I guess he, you know, I was thinking he should have uh, said he can't answer. Yeah. But then it occurred to me, that's an answer. That is. That is. You know, saying you can't answer means those people are important. And it 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 was a specific question. Yeah. yeah, Oh, oh, and it was very illegal. Right. He couldn't tell me. No. And I asked him later. I'm like, hey, why'd you lie about that? You know, 
as a friend, you shouldn't have lied. He goes, as a friend, you shouldn't have asked. And I thought, you know what? He's absolutely correct. My question was in complete violation. I mean, if if the answer was yes, which it was, it was in complete violation of SEC rules. He could have got to jail. Mm. You know, it would have been bad. And um, he just couldn't answer. And I shouldn't have asked. I made him lie to me. Well, what, what, here's an interesting notion. Do we invite people to lie by asking them questions we know they probably shouldn't answer? Are you going to follow up with, do I look fat in these jeans? <laughs> I mean, that's the conundrum, right? Right, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. You always have to have a positive no, answer no, with you that. you look great They're, in those yeah. jeans. Okay. Um, yes, that, the, you're right. Now, a friend of mine has the best response to that, but but at the time he did not have a girlfriend, and that's probably the reason why. But huh. <laughs> and this this guy is is a uh, Air Force pilot, or he was. I think he's a commercial pilot now. Uh-huh. You know, so you know, very smart ass kind of guy. They're known for that. And uh, he he told this story, so I don't know that it's true, but it has the ring of truth. He said his girlfriend once asked me, "Do these jeans make my ass look big?" Uh-huh. I said, "No." So Twinkies make your ass look big. The jeans make your ass look confined. <laughs> and I think the best part of that story is I truly don't know if he said that to a girl he was dating. And uh-huh. that really defines the guy because he would have. And got slapped and, mm-hmm. and worn that bruise with a badge of honor for a week. That's mm-hmm. just the kind of guy he was. But It's, yeah. it's great that they were Twinkies, too. You yes. know? So there could be some truth to it. Yeah, it's a well, very specific reference. Well, I, well, I, I heard this story in the early mid nineties, hmm. mid, mid to late nineties. All right, so so just about the time they were starting to deep fry Twinkies. <clears throat> That's been a staple in Texas for a while. Yeah, although I've never had one for some reason. Well, the the so uh, so that asking the question is possibly hoping someone will lie. And then, you know, this, we, uh, so the, you know, originally the question was, why do humans lie? And there's so much social construct and fabric around it, and so many expectations and dynamics within relationships that there's almost an expectation, I mean, based upon the, the Twinkies and, and the pants and the ass. <laughs> there's a song in there somewhere, Dave. <laughs> 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 that that um, you know that there's uh, there's an expectation is that what is what's under what social constructs are you expected to lie and there's probably a good one even though um, you know that maybe it goes against what we're feeling or really thinking in that moment is do I tell them the truth you know do I tell them it's yeah your ass looks confined, but it, that's not what makes you fat. It's the, it's the Twinkies or the... Well, obviously I would never say that because that's just rude. No, no, I understand. I understand. Yeah. No, but I mean, as people, even if it's the truth. Right. And again, I, I, I would lie to save someone's feelings like that. Sure. Even if it was the truth. You sure. know, that... Uh, but like, for example, on the do I look good in this thing, I think they're... When people ask that, they're mainly expecting a yes and just to help their self-esteem. But... I'll say a half dozen times when, when asked that question, I've said, you know, I really don't like the way that fits on you. I mean, mm-hmm. when it's a new outfit or something like that, no, the pants don't make your ass look big, but maybe I, maybe I don't think it looks uh-huh. great. And I'll, I'll say that. And, um, only when it doesn't, though. I'm saying because of the question and because it's a loaded question, I think that most men would push that bar up really high. There has to be something pretty wrong to say anything <laughs> negative at that point. 
but I've probably done it a half dozen times in my life. Yeah, I'm sure there's everyone has emperor the emperor's new clothes moments in their life. They that you know someone's eventually got to say something at some point. Well, like a bra showing in the back and the yeah. shirt will never cover it. It's yeah. just the wrong bra shirt combo. I'll I'll point that out if. Usually, so, usually is when I do that, the person was wearing a jacket anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> or they were going to wear a jacket, yeah. you know. So, in, in, Kristen will, um, if I give a certain answer, Kristen will go, well, I'm going to go ask Caden or Matthew. Well, when Matthew lived at home. But she'll go, I'm going to go ask Caden. And she doesn't say anything back to me, but I know what that, what that means was my answer wasn't what she, you know. She didn't think it was truthful enough. There you yeah. go. She so, knew you were lying. Yeah. She wanted an honest answer. Yes, right. So, which, but you're right. That question can never be truly honest. Yeah. I mean, they're not looking for that. All they're really saying is, does this look terrible? Should we go out? You know, yeah. if even that. Sometimes yeah. they're just fishing for the compliment. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's the, the thing is to, to learn. So, uh, my, you know, again, back to the original question are we, you know, you know why do humans lie? And, I don't think that there's one simple answer to it. There's mm-hmm. not like, I mean, it's not, I mean, there's, there's a certain act there's, I mean, if we just looked at it from a, a Freudian point of view, then we would, ex- we would understand that, that it's part of our nature. It's part uh, you know, of a certain level of protection for ourselves and the people around us, why that may happen um, for emotional or psychological reasons. Um, and I, I still think there's some truth to that. I, I, I'm always frankly find it you know uh, interesting when 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 people are more frank and and have learned um maybe the skills uh and the language skills to be able to communicate effectively where they they don't insult or hurt or cause harm to people but get as close as they can to telling the truth so it seems palatable i get you know in certain ways so i will lie when i'm embarrassed about something and i'll lie pretty consistently or or exaggerate in, in a more favorable way for myself when mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed. You ask how many diet sodas I've had in a day, it's going to be lower than the actual number. Okay. You know, it's Good. just the yeah. little things that, that, that I'm slightly ashamed of. And I, I, maybe the fact that I don't lie much is that I'm really not ashamed about all that much. I'm, I'm, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's my confidence that I've, and my kids know this too. I'm, I'm kind of anal about my decisions. When I choose something, there's, I mean, as trivial as picking a soda out of a counter, you know, I chose it for a reason at that particular moment. I'm usually pretty confident in it. And I think uh-huh. maybe that confidence makes me less embarrassed about my actions and what I do and mm-hmm. more willing to share because I simply don't care. I don't have anything to hide. But the things I do care about are going to be like, did I eat too much? Did I drink too much? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in good shape and I'm not in terrible shape. Uh, did I do my physical therapy, which uh-huh. I'm having a lot of trouble doing for some reason, you know, la- <laughs> laziness. I don't know. Introspection. I'll sometimes lie about motives if, if I'm embarrassed of the actual motives. Sure, sure. I think that's maybe some of the things I was referring to earlier when I first asked you this question, this, this idea of how sometimes we don't, we're just, that's kind of honest with ourselves that, that maybe we start fudging a little bit, you know? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll justify some things. Yeah. You know, I'll justify that next beer. I'll, or, or, uh, not, you know, quitting work early and having a beer at three o'clock because I feel like it, I'll come up with 30 reasons before that beer is cracked, you know, on the way to the fridge. But I, I had made that decision based on probably just a basal desire, you know, and now I'm, I'm creating all these lies to justify it on the way to the fridge. Right, yeah. 
So those kinds of things, they, I think they're all qualified as the white lie that old people like to talk about. But those are the ones I'll lie about. Yeah. The, the big ones and stories I generally stay away from just because I, I don't want the effort to keep tra- keeping track. No. You know. Yeah. Um, one of the things I did want to talk about today, um, this is a good moment to kind of shift a little bit. Um, this idea, because we've talked, we talked about it, and last time we've talked a little bit about it today. Um, this idea of how people can be taught, um, um, you know, they can be taught to fear and hate, and they can be taught to, you know, you know, prejudice. Maybe not prejudice itself, but they can be taught to fear and hate and judge judgment, which creates prejudice, of course, um, or bigotry. Um, and and uh, on the other side of that, though, um, you know, it, it, is it possible to teach things like humbleness and gratitude and and compassion on on the other side? Um, I mean, my ex- my head goes, yes, it it is possible to do that. Um, I mean, because I, I think when, but it's not done by saying, you know, okay, well now you're going to learn to be compassionate. I mean. <laughs> You don't learn about hatred or or bigotry by someone, you know, just going, well, I'm I'm going to teach you bigotry. There has to be a whole story and a reason behind it before that happens. Um, You know, like why why we shouldn't trust or why um, somebody is 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 uh, inferior or um, a bad person or, you know, if we uh, if someone becomes judged or, or based upon ethnicity or race or or gender or something like that or sexual orientation um there has to be all these stories created to justify and rationalize bigotry and hatred um and but on the other side how how do you think we can how do you think things like humbleness and and gratitude and compassion or can be taught or to to people so to me, compassion and empathy are very tightly related. Empathy, yes, good. And um, I, I've I've learned over the last couple of years that I'm a snowflake, and, and I'm a libtard snowflake because I went to college. <laughs> and these people don't seem to notice that I didn't graduate till like literally ten years ago. I spent eight years in college and learned during that that time that I could could not work, go to college, and party. And so the going to college part kind of suffered, and I spent. You had to make choices. <laughs> I, I, I think I chose correctly. I, I'm, I mean, looking back, it was a lot of really bad decisions. But where, where I'm at now, I'm uh-huh. pretty happy with with the path I took. But I learned so much in college, and I know on our last thing we talked about racism and, and going to college and learn. It was just being around people that weren't me <laughs> and weren't my echo chamber. That's where I learned that that a lot of my prejudices were not valid. You know, uh, Georgia Tech had a, had a new up-and-coming LGBT community. It was led by a guy named Charles Bobo. I shouldn't know that name, except that he was mocked constantly. He was a punchline on campus. Hmm. This was uh, late 80s through mid-90s. You know, obviously eight years, not, not four. <laughs> but uh, so we all knew him. He was the gay guy that led the gay thing, and it, that wasn't a compliment. Well, I ended up doing a senior project with a really good friend of his and was around him all the time. Um, and that was probably my first, ex- I don't want to say experience because that implies too much, but it was the first time really meeting a gay guy, not meeting him, you know, just in the sidelines. 
And, and he was just a guy. You, you want to be clear that it wasn't the first time you had gay sex, is what well, you're saying. Well, not that time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just had never... You could point out a guy and say he's gay. I could say hi, but... I, it was kind of different not being introduced, him not being in the room, him just I mean, being in the room, but not being the reason I was there. He was just always around. And it was just a guy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the so fact a, that a he human did, being. Yeah. yeah the yeah. fact that he dated guys didn't affect me because I don't generally go on dates with you either. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't. Right. I, and the as I was learning, I never got groped by anybody, you know, going through college and meeting, you know, now I've probably met thousands of gay people. It just doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And so when all the prejudices disappear, you're able to have empathy. People are picking on him because he lisps. Who cares? Or that he dates people they don't like. It's like, how does that affect you? Doesn't that give you more girls to date? No, it. it so I, I think a lot of it's just ignorance. And so I do think that, that's like brothers and who dates their sisters kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, maybe just. Having more experiences, you know, maybe those guys that say words like snowflake and libtard need to go visit some people that aren't like them. You know, it it certainly did well by me. I've learned all kinds of people. And like I said, I never even got hit on that. I noticed. Hmm. So you're saying that then for you, your your personal experience of this was that you got you got hit on that you you knew of is what. Well, That's great. Yeah. <laughs> besides, be, besides trying to be a little funny, um, yeah. I'm kind of obtuse when it comes to <laughs> anybody hitting on me, male or female. So, okay. you know, perhaps all the haters are right, and I was just hit on and didn't notice, and it would have bothered them a lot. But no, no. But seriously, I. All the preconceptions were just wrong. And and that's the funny thing about this is all these awful, evil, hateful ideas are generally not based in any fact at all. Yeah. You know, the the same way you probably don't want to date some, you know, lesbian that doesn't have any interest in men, you probably just won't hit it off. Some random guy. Funny story there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so some random guy is not going to find some college. unattainable guy that attractive in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, might consider them pretty, but you won't get hit on if yeah. you're straight. I, I was really attracted to this woman in college. <laughs> and we went out and did stuff together, but it, there was a, a point that I wanted to become closer. And she did let me know that she was not interested in my gender. So, what I was was I okay with just being friends? So, that was my first experience. <laughs> we, we can share over a couple of beers and cry some tears later for that. Okay, thanks. You seem, uh, you seem pretty broken up about I'm it. I'm really upset about it. Uh, so, uh, what I'm hearing then is that it's this idea of normalizing what once was a possible um, a bias or prejudice, um, towards, uh, a culture or a person or, um, a, a, a sexual orientation that you didn't just have any personal experience with, but you, you grew up in an, in an environment, which that was naturally, um, professed that it was, oh, yeah. it was part of, it was part of the system. And so, my, um, my culture hated anything, not like my culture, anything, not like your culture. Okay. And it was very normal. In fact, it is very normal. It's today for a lot is. of yeah, yeah for a lot of yeah. a lot of people and a lot of yeah. groups to just um, have actual hatred toward things that aren't like them, but that they're completely ignorant of. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is where I realized um, 
uh, my own naivete. Um, you know, working in the field I work in, um, uh, being in, in involved in uh, the community in, in the ways that I am, that I I just kind of you know had this illusion I would say or delusion maybe is is a better way to say it that you know the um, that the problems associated with um, you know LGBTQ or you know gay lesbian trans you know um, bi transgender uh, population uh, people um, we we kind of moved past that I think in some ways um, a couple I think last month on the show right they we had a I had a couple I had a couple guests on I think it was maybe our one of our roundtables um, the first one that um, people were going to the uh, at least one of them was going to the Love Loud festival um, which they had at Rice Stadium this year the year before it was down in uh, Provo. Um, I think at UBC or something, but I, I realized that I, I had created this idea that you know we were moving past this, that we were at the tail end of something, you know, that um, this wasn't really the case anymore, that there wasn't all that prejudice towards that that community and that population, those people, um, and and maybe it's because you know I have close friends um, that are LGBTQ or family members that are LGBTQ. Uh, that I sort of like I, the lens that I was living through was ne- not necessarily accurate um, because there, there still is um, a lot of people that, um, you know, whether the, you, I wanted to find them as ignorant or um, I don't want to say uneducated, but they, they don't understand or, or they haven't for, for whatever reason have, have learned not to have compassion or, or empathy um, for those people. And I, I think your story is a, a good example of why this gets perpetuated. Um, well, I think so. I mean, and these are people that would never say these words out loud, uh-huh. but you know, you take your bike. To, I mean, my, my father, well, we talked about it a lot last time <laughs> that this racism was not, he wouldn't open the door and scream <laughs> the N word or anything right. or, or even talk to a black person and say, you're the, you're the problem here. But but yet he believed that and uh-huh. when the door was short was shut. He would tell us he would, you know, you don't go downtown. You're going to get things stolen. And and he absolutely believed that. Yeah. But he, and and when I hear the attacks on political correctness as if it's a law, uh-huh. I hear him screaming that because he can't use the N word anymore. He can't say these things out outdoor that are hateful because people will come down on him. So now he's got to say them in the quiet inside. And so when I hear, you know, adults and well-spoken adults bitch about political correctness, what I wonder is what hateful thing are you being prevented from saying? You know, political correctness is not a law. It's just saying don't be a douche. (laughs) If a community tells you they don't like a word used to refer to them, then don't use that word to refer to them. It doesn't matter what it is. Of course, now I am a jerk. So I will be – I have taught all my kids – and and I have said it loud every time to make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But every time, like we have to trim bushes and we're roping the the branches together to mm-hmm. put out in the street, uh-huh. those are faggots. I mean, that's the definition of the term. Yeah, and, right. At any time, I, we were actually in uh, Oregon this weekend, and they had some little kindling rolled up decoratively, but they were rolled into little faggots and in the <laughs> thing. And I love using the word for what it was meant for because 
even the community doesn't like that word. So I take it away. I don't use it for what Americans use it for. I use it for the Brits. But I do draw, draw the oh, line. Oh, that's the same, the same with the I Brits. I don't call using cigarettes the word, fags. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, no, that but that, that's, but that's the same slang. example. Well, that's know? where it came from. It came yeah. from the faggot stick. Right. It had nothing to do with, with homosexuality or LGBTQ. It was So that, that's my little thing is I use that word to make people cringe and then either have to remember what it really means or I'll educate them. But you mentioned something a second ago. You said the word ignorant and you apologized. I never take that word as an insult. Well, it wasn't you directed at you, some, of course. But no, even it, people shouldn't. Yeah. You either know something or you don't. And if you don't know something, you're ignorant. Yeah. And that there's, there's the only time you should be ashamed about being ignorant is if you used to know something and forgot it. That's the, but otherwise, if you don't know something, how can you be... You know, expected to. How how can the tribes in Brazil, in Brazil that have ever been found be expected to be a Christian or follow God? They're ignorant. Right, right. You know, maybe maybe that would have been the greatest Christian settlement ever, but nobody told them. You know, <laughs> ignorance is ignorance. There's that, no. That's a good point. That's a really. You could good be point. stupid, and that's insulting, and that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But ignorance, that's nobody should ever be ashamed of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you're 80 years old. You've had a full life, and you're still ignorant. That that's a little on you, but well, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and some, and some f- for whatever reason, some some people choose to hang on to belief systems, um, even if they aren't healthy, um, because again, this goes right back to you know where we kind of started um, the the idea of wanting to be right and the importance of feeling that you know the the identity of an individual or the person of myself is based upon those belief systems. Um, I, I think one of the, the, the most important aspects of, um, of that in my life that I've experienced about the idea of being human is that it's okay to detach from any belief system at any time. And I'm not talking like true North stuff. And uh, in, in when I, I say that, David, I mean the idea that um, I, I know certain values um, that uh, – that honor me, you know, and, and my place in the world and, and how I interact with people and, and, and that I, that I think are, are, are truths for me. Um, but as far as a belief system about any other person, place or thing, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm okay at a certain point being able to detach from that. Um, and, and I don't, I don't mean that from a negative point of view that, um, though I do, I do like to practice non-attachment appreciation, the, the Buddhist. <laughs> I, I don't know of that, but, um, yeah. I do like to practice being lazy and I kind of, uh, <laughs> no, no, not, not lazy, like the character trait. No, I, I knew where but, you were going. But lazy as in doing nothing yeah. on purpose, doing nothing, doing nothing is a yeah. beautiful thing. No thing. Yeah, the, yes. the, the, the the no thing. Yeah, the the yeah. the being comfortable and having no desires or you know or fulfilling all of them and yeah. and then just having some Zen moments of nothing. In fact, every Zen moment I've ever had has been doing nothing, and I so I love that. All right, all right, we're going to move on. I'm not sure we answered anything there, but it doesn't matter, you know, in the in the big picture. But at least we talked about nothing. At least we talked about nothing. And no thing, by the way, is really, uh, uh, that, that is value. That's about living in the moment, too. That's a, that idea of, of being present and being able to detach. And that's not, appreci- not appreciation. Uh, well, this, this weekend, um, I'm going camping, and uh, I'll go up a day early. 
And part of that is to find the site and make sure everything's okay. But the other part is I'll go up Thursday night. And that Friday until about 2 or 3 o'clock when the early people start coming, nobody's there except me and whoever I come mm-hmm. up with. And that's my day of nothing. And last time, last year when I did the same trip, that was my Zen moment. I remember I was sitting around the campfire with me and a buddy. The campfire is not lit. This is during the day. You know, it's hot. There's nobody else there. And we sat there for a solid two hours without saying a word. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Neither one of us cared. It was just looking at the star, at the uh, blue sky, the trees. It was a nice moment of nothing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Um, I like this one, though. Uh-oh. Protest songs. What what are do you, what are some what is uh, your favorite protest songs? Do you have any? Well, so I was born in the '60s, but it was '69. I don't think I know of a single one. Oh. I, I I mean, I'll bet you could name one that I'd say, "Oh yeah, that's a protest song." But yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, other than "Hell No, We Won't Go," that I've heard. Yeah, Hell No, We Won't Go. Bit, uh, that's, well, uh, if you want to go back to the '60s, and I don't know if this is the '60s or not, even though I was. Born then. I mean, I was alive then. I was born in the. I was born in fifties. Um, well, that's what I'm thinking. Generationally, I think maybe you have songs, but maybe but, but I'm like one decade out. They're protest songs. They're, they're they're still protest songs. They're just kind of different now. Maybe, but like Fortunate Son, um, CCR. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I love that one, and I, I strangely I know what it's about. That. Uh, kind of put me on the spot there I'm, I'm really he's smirking because I'm really bad with songs and knowing what they're about uh-huh. on any music whether I play it or not I'll focus on something Some, I will have a personal hook to almost any song and it's almost never what everyone else has uh-huh. so someone tell, will tell me some song I love is really depressing and then I'll have to go back and listen to the words because obviously I had yeah well I mean it's, 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 I mean there's obviously songs like the Beatles Revolution and, you know they're um Simon and Garfunkel, um, America. I mean, there's, there's every genre's got some too. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, okay, I got one for my genre then. Yeah. Uh, I think it was called Bombs. System of a Down did it after the response to the World Trade Center. Yes, yes. That I think that was a. I'm pretty sure that was a protest song, yeah. and that one I enjoyed. And I all there was a beautiful video with it that was incredibly well done. I mean. Oh, and Childish Gambino, The America, just came out. Yes. That's, that's I guess a, that, I'm wrong. That's a good example. Yeah. You've got, I've got some protest songs. I had no idea. Yeah. I learned something today. Well, Neil Young, I mean, you, you take somebody back, back, if we want to go back to the 60s, so, um, you, you can even go back to Buffalo Springfield, which is, you know, even earlier. <coughs> um, you know, uh, something's the matter here. Zombie. 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 Okay. Yeah. There you go. Cranberries. You're right. I just never I mean, noticed. I, I mean, uh, and not not as I don't think as, as a surprise. There's, it's it's the way it's packaged and played that it's probably not always thought of as protest songs. But um, the Wall by Pink Floyd has got numerous, I think, um, threads that that look at um, you know government and 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 in some ways the problems associated with the military and the album that came after it. I can't remember it, but. That 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 Didn't whole metal after the wall or was no it, it was the dark side no it was um, wish you were here uh, maybe I'll, I'll get through them all eventually no it's it's uh, oh gosh anyway 
the it, it's it's sort of like um, the cover I remember was like uh, the emblem was like uh, those those stripes oh, uh, those final cut I think maybe that was it, was it. Final yeah. cut. I didn't like that album I didn't, yeah I, I never bought it I didn't like the it's it's very personal I mean in, in, in protest songs that that uh, like that and like it's a whole it's a whole album but there there are plenty of people that that have, have done. Um, you know tributes like that. Even um, somebody like Joni Mitchell has a has a couple woven into her. Uh, again, back hard talking. I guess seventies more there. But um, she's Purple got Wall's a, a good woven. one too. Except that one, um, that one evolves with me. Yeah. It, it, it's I mean, Woodstock is an example of that. You know, sure, she thing. wrote Woodstock, and of course, it was Crosby, Sills, and Nash that did the version that probably. You know, got the airplay because it was a little bit more rock and roll. But her version's beautiful too. Um, I mean, not too. It's beautiful, and it, and, and so I, I think that there's there there are plenty of those out there like that that have have some some meaning, but you know, want to you know you know want want to weave an idea into the music um, and a story into the music to sort of set a tone and not just I mean maybe protest is not always the best word for it because they, they may not all be protest songs um, in fact that there there may be a story and a message behind it that's just not about you know down with the man so to speak well I mean in that vein like all of the 90s rap would kind of qualify in, in a way yeah. I mean for, for that for that culture yeah you know not mine luckily but uh, <laughs> I mean, pure luck I can't control what I was born as but um <laughs> No, no, like, uh, we just watched, well, and, you know, the whole story of NWA and all that, and the fuck the police, and the, um, that's all part of it. That That's, they, they were protesting their injustices, it just didn't happen to be mine. You're true, that's true, that's, that's, that's. That that's a good example. So protest songs. We, we talk about the '60s, and so maybe you know that has to do with you know we're looking at war, and um, obviously the Vietnam War was a, a big thing back back then. But also there was the whole issue of civil rights, which still seems to be circling back around again. There's a whole series of songs that have come out in the last you know five years that are protest songs, um, but more you know that in, integrated into the issues like Black Life Matters and things like that, and. You know, voices that come out of that. Uh, well, sorry. Kaepernick's a good example right now in my mind. What is? Kaepernick. The whole kneeling during the oh. uh, anthem thing. Yes. Well, this not, a- not the Nike ad, but the, the whole kneeling during during the anthem at the ball games. I think it's a perfect example because... It, and I see the memes flying, and I don't share them because they're more satire, but... <laughs> Um, there's a lot of comparisons between him kneeling, not being about the uh, the flag or the anthem, uh-huh. being the same as Rosa Parks, not sitting at the back of the bus, or uh, you know Gandhi not eating. It wasn't because he wasn't hungry, and it wasn't because Rosa didn't want to sit down. You know, it, it's they've chosen their their method to protest, and I do think there is some debate as to whether they're allowed to protest while on the clock, and I think that's up to their bosses and not you know Joe Public. But when when someone says they're doing something for a reason, you can't just change their reason because you don't like it. Yeah, that's true. You know, when they say they're kneeling for injustice, they're not kneeling because they hate the anthem of their flag. They're kneeling for what they say they're kneeling for. I guess that's true. I guess. Um, that whole story, though, um, I mean, you got twisted around, too. I mean, that, you know, because... He was he was uh, encouraged to kneel 
by well, I can't remember the the was Green Beret, I believe, or a Marine or Green Beret, or it could have been yeah. a Green Beret. But the, he was encouraged instead of sitting. Um, he thought it, it would be more respectful to take a knee in respect, which is a, which is a sign of subservience and respect. Yes, it's, it's been yeah. used a lot, and it's been politicized and 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 sort of taken out of. Talk about how uh, things get moved around and and uh, repackaged. Well, and, and, well, that's a perfect example of there are some negatives. I mean, what he's doing is not purely kneeling on some while while you're being paid or protesting while you're being paid it is not a positive thing. You know. Well, well true, true. But the, the the but if there's no rule against it, there's no, there's, and if yeah. they make a rule against it, then there's a rule against it. You know, and that's. I think. Um, but I my think problem the, is the people jumping on it, the people attacking it, are always attacking it for not the right yeah, reasons. For, you know? Yeah, the idea for the flag and the anthem and all that stuff. That's that that's disrespecting the military when they weren't even in the yeah. subject. Yeah, <laughs> right. This has nothing to do with the military or the flag. Or actually, the United States of America. What it has to do is has to do with this um, injustice or, or uh, disrespect. Um, and again, um, th- I think maybe this is how things get twisted around a little bit. Okay, let's see. Um, there was a, something else I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to have to wait for that for next time. Um, so, uh, anything else you want to touch upon before we finish up today, David? Not that I could think of. All right. We've covered quite a bit. We have. We have. All right. So um, we will go out here. Um, I thank you all for listening today. Um, we'll be back in a couple months, if not sooner, who knows when, um, with another episode. I do have a song, though. Oh. I was floored last time, and I, I didn't even pre-prepare for this, but uh-huh. just now, while we were discussing music, it jumped into my head, and I'm sorry, I'm going to take a few seconds, but... No, no, let's... Have you, no, no, do this. You have have you song. heard Pink do White Rabbit? I just listened to it last night. Yes. So that has, for a long time, been... I just love the song, and mm-hmm. it's one of those... I don't know why, just like the other silly song I like, but the hook just gets me... And I think Pink really did it justice. Oh my gosh! Yes, she so, was she was amazing. She was amazing. I, good luck fact, with I, it though. It's only like two minutes long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Pink doing White Rabbit is remarkable. And it, it and, and I should say we uh, we we try to do our, our very best attempt at that song in our in our band um, or whatever we call ourselves these days, uh, a band. Um, yeah, after watching her do it, though, I, I think we might need to remove it from our list. <laughs> well, actually, even watching her, the guys do the instruments, they did a really good version. The guy is just hammering the drums yeah. and that little syncopate, like offbeat thing. Yeah. Is, they did a really good job. Yeah. So. If, if, if you haven't listened to it yet, we recommend go listen to Pink's version of it with her band, White Rabbit. It is really well done. All right, David, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Um, we will come back uh, at some point here in the in the near future with an, another episode of <laughs> the Fresconi Files. I love it. <laughs> we will go out as we always do. And by the way, I, I don't know if I gave uh, credit to um, David, but the reason why we end on this song is because of his reference when I wrote my book that he thought it was a good a, a good a good reference for some other things in my book. So we will go out with little Joan Osborne. Talk to you guys next week. Bye bye.